Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hey friends, welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm Leanine Heiss, your host for today's episode, and this is episode number 45. We're so glad you're here. Today's conversation is so much fun. Here at Bible to School, we're all about telling kids about Jesus. If you have kids in your life, then you know that creativity is important and keeping kids' attention can be challenging. But today, we're going to talk all about making the Word come alive for the kids in your life. Before we get started, we know that many of you are wrapping up the school year with the kids in your life. We made it! Hooray! Maybe you feel the tug to bring a Bible to school program to the kids in your local schools next year. We would love to pray with you and explore that possibility. The best place to learn more and connect is on our website at bibletoschool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. We can't wait to hear from you. And while we're talking about the website, you can always find our show notes on the website as well. Now, let's jump right into our conversation with our friend, Tom Lettman. Well, Tom, welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Glad to be here, Lee. It is so nice to meet you, friend. We've been talking for a couple of minutes before we got started, and I'm so excited for our friends to get to know about you and your ministry today. And the first thing that I learned about you from our mutual friend, Corey Pennypacker, is that you are deeply invested in Bible to School. So thank you for that. Glad to serve. Yeah, it's been a ministry that it's been wonderful to see growing and the opportunities in it. Yeah, to recently serve with the uh, Mannheim Township Bible to School Board. So that's that's awesome. Well, super cool. Thank you for that. And Tom, in case our friends are not familiar with you and your ministry, would you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. So I serve as the director of Bible Visuals International. It's a publishing ministry located here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And it's a ministry that's been in existence for now going on 63 years. It's focused on supporting the work of evangelizing and discipling children by creating content, Bible lessons, mission stories, visualized songs, all those things that we can put into the hands of ministry partners here in the state and around the world who are evangelizing and discipling children. So creating a lot of content like that and putting it in various formats, whether it's print or now more recently downloadable formats to make the materials accessible, adaptable, and affordable for our partners. So that's so cool. Tell me how you guys got started. At what point were you involved in evangelism and you said, you know what, we actually need to create something else for kids? Right, right. Well, going back to the history, the lady who started Bible Visuals International, her name was Helen Odenwelder, and she was at that time the director of Child Evangelism Fellowship here in Pennsylvania. And she, of course, was seeing needs in her own ministry 
you know, they were using a lot of flannel graph and putting together what they could. Resources when visual aids are always helpful when you're communicating to children. And so she saw local needs to create visualized Bible lesson stories and songs. But she was doing some traveling with CEF and visiting some places around the world, particularly, I think, uh, the Philippines and Mexico. And she took her flannel graphs with her. One thing she noticed is that a lot of these clubs that she was teaching abroad were outside versus in a nice, you know, controlled environment. So flannel graphs, you know, the characters, it was like the book of Acts, you know, the church, you know, the, the dispersion, you know, of, of these uh, saints, uh, they're getting blown around in the winds. And uh, <laughs> she is like, okay, we need some type of format of these materials that we can supply that would help us in Pennsylvania, but also that we get supply to missionaries and nationals in these other countries that are working to try to evangelize and disciple children. So that's where the kind of need came from. And it's kind of interesting because we continue to see adapting needs of partners here and abroad that, you know, they're like through COVID where people were saying, um, we can't gather, so we need materials that we could broadcast in another type of format that we hadn't exactly considered as much before. And so continuing to adapt to those needs of of partners and evangelizing cycling children. So there's some things that remain true. Like I was just thinking about flannel graph. In some places, flannel graph seems outdated. And in other places, it's like you pull out those characters and kids are transfixed. And so a lot of times we hear now that we need flashy and the next best thing. And in other ways, we know that some of the not good old fashioned, but kids just want to be told the story creatively. So talk to us about that. Like, how are you determining when to launch forward in technology and when it's just about the story of Jesus? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think you kind of hitting at what you were saying there is, you know, kids love to hear a story and it really doesn't exactly matter whether you're using flannel graphs or pictures or even shadow puppets with your hand. You're talking about the teacher, the teacher who is communicating that. And so what really guides us as a ministry is to support teacher, not to supplant the teacher, not to take the place of that teacher. So we are looking at some resources to put into their hands, things that they can use where they are communicating the word of God themselves. They aren't putting on, you know, there's, let me just say, there's a place for for videos, um, for, for movies and that. And I'm thankful for that. There are times when a teacher cannot be present there with the children, but we really want to do all we can to provide tools for the teacher, whether that is a Sunday school teacher, a outreach ministry worker, like an BBS, or mom and dad, you know, in the home and some resources to help them in communicating the word. Because you know what? It's a two-way communication. You know, a teacher can respond to the particular needs and know what's going on in the life of that child the way a, a, a you know a video cannot. So we really want to do what we can to listen well to the teacher and to provide resources that would help them in that work. And that that changes over time while still things stay the same as well. You know, a visual 
can be, you know, it's been Jesus Christ in his ministry used word pictures all the time. That he was using visuals. Uh, sometimes he used a child as a visual, you know, bringing a child in the midst of right. his disciples to point out things. So yeah, visuals aren't new. Well, I love it because when we ask at Bible school somebody to teach a lesson, we're giving them that lesson. And that doesn't mean that they don't have to still use creativity on their own, right? There's still creativity involved in teaching a lesson. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We, in fact, when we provide a lesson structure, we say, you know, study this. This is a guide, but really don't encourage teachers to read a lesson just verbatim, but to tell it in their own words, to study it, use it as a guide. In fact, one of the things I always do is kind of make a little I call it a keyword sheet. So I've got some points that I've to help me keep it on track. You know, time is essential too. We all know that in children's ministry, it doesn't seem like you ever have enough of it, but to keep you on track that way. But there are things that you can put in there that based on you, your knowledge of the, the environment of the particular children, what else is being taught. Uh, when I teach a, a, my church setting, knowing even what's being preached that day, if it, children aren't meeting there, but things that can combine with what their parents are hearing, perhaps in a sermon and what children can talk about afterwards with their, their parents, drawing those connections. So mm, That's so good. So it's not really common to hear men involved in children's ministry. Like, I don't know, most places it's like, okay, that's the girl's job to help work with the children. But my guess is that you probably feel differently about men involved in the lives of children. Yeah, just because uh, I think something is common in the church does not mean that it is meant to be common. So I think if we look in the scripture itself, we see that God really speaks most clearly about men, about fathers leading the next generation to know who he is and what he has done. It is a shame that uh, sometimes men can develop in their their minds the idea that this is meant for, for others, that this is kind of beneath them. But one of the scriptures that comes to mind is from Genesis 18, verse 19, where God is speaking, that speaking of Abraham here, it says, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So God had purpose in calling Abraham out of the, you know, the pagan nations there, but it's not just for his own sake, but that his, his children, that his family would know who God is. And so that's, that's, that's part of God's purpose there. I love the uh, hymn writer, Isaac Watts, some of the hymns that we love to sing still in our churches. And he wrote one called, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. He was a brilliant mind, but he never thought it beneath him to take all of that energy, all of that, that wisdom, knowledge of the scriptures that he had, and to, to put it in a form that he could communicate to children. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, he would say that that was where it's at to communicate to the next generation. These aren't treasures to be held for ourselves. These are meant to be communicated to, to others, and particularly from one generation to another. When a, a man, when, a, when a, a person gets an understanding of that, they are really seeing something bigger than themselves, than their own time, in fact, that there is God is he's the God of, of all generations. I love that because it takes all of us to reach the next generation of children. 
I know that you're spending your creativity these days on leading a ministry that's reaching children, but we talked offline that you really have a heart for the home too as a discipler of children. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So one of the things that that's been a growing concern or a desire for me to provide more resources for the home. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons for that is certainly personal, that uh, God has blessed me to be uh, the father of five children. And I think about uh, not only my responsibility, but my privilege to be able to communicate the love of Christ to my own children. But I also know that I've had an opportunity to have some training in teaching children, and I've been blessed by that. And there are plenty of people that feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say with my own children. So just wanting to provide some helpful resources in that. I don't want children's ministry for people to compartmentalize and think, oh, that's the one for the, the professionals to do, that right. uh, they'll take care of it. No, that's not plan. You know, the family speaking God's word, parents speaking God's word to children is not plan B, like, okay, we'll do this if, you know, there's some extra time because they get plenty at, at church or in outreach ministries. Now, this is really plan A. So what can we do to support that? And so one of the things that we've done in the last few, few years here is started uh, a plan to create more family devotionals. And uh, we started our family worship series with a book on uh, the book of Mark. And really, it's it's really simple. And it's meant to be simple. It's just reading the scripture a little bit at a time working through that book of the Bible in little bite-sized chunks, you know, progressing through from beginning to end, and then having questions that open up the discussion there. And these are questions that engage children on at different age levels. Some of them are simple observational questions that little ones can pick up on, and some really get into the, uh, the how and why deeper. And not all of them are directed to the children, some of them are directed back at mom and dad or the, the parent caretaker there because, you know, we want them to see that, yeah, we are growing together the faith. It's not like mom, dad, or someone has arrived that we're there. We, we, we've got all the knowledge. We know everything. We've got everything in order. No, we are, we need Christ as much as you need Christ children, you know? And so that questions and then kind of a model prayer to help parents who might uncomfortable, how to think about how to go beyond just simply the, the prayers of petition for particular needs. Those are good, but prayers that are of thanksgiving, rejoicing of who God is, and really reflect the scripture that they've read. And then some song, some singing together. I think um, that's one of the great ways we as a church express our unity in Christ. It's one of the ways a family can express that together by voices united. So we're, we just finished this one and we're working on a second one on the book of Philippians. We've got one on the book of James that we'll be putting out. And uh, we're really thankful that even we had already planned to do this, but COVID last couple of years really reminded the church that we cannot rely always on, <laughs> we're not meant to rely on just those gatherings of the church yeah. for the evangelizing and evangelism, discipleship of children. You know, parents are like, you know, what do I do? I don't have my kid to drop off at, at this place. You know, I've got to speak it myself. And so, yeah, it was a great time to put these together. Well, it reminds me that so many times when I sit down with my kids, 
they teach me too. I mean, just because God has equipped children or allows their imaginations to be so much deeper than parents sometimes, than adults. It's like we we lose that holy imagination that kids often have. And they are brilliant little theologians when when they're left to think deep things about God sometimes. We just have the opportunity to guide that. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Why did God make the other planets if no one lives on them? We love how children think and ask such interesting questions. In the book of Isaiah, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isn't it interesting that God used the expanse of the heaven as an illustration for the expanse between our understanding and God's understanding. The heavens certainly do teach us about God's character. But Tom, I know that the people who are listening are often, well, they are leading in Bible to school. They're deeply involved in the lives of children, but they're coming alongside of parents who may not be engaged or involved. And so how do we make this simple for parents who feel like they don't know how to do this? How can we come alongside and encourage them to take the next step? Yeah. Well, you know, as I say, this is one of the resources that we're, we're trying to put together to do this, you know, but even if you don't have that, uh, just encouraging them that God's word is sufficient to open up the word, not be afraid uh, to open the word and to, to even have points where you're saying, you know, I don't understand this, but let's let's figure it out together. Let's ask those who do. So one of the big things I think parents, family members can do a way we can encourage families in this way is simply to prioritize time. You know, it starts with there's going to be a need for, for time together in the word of God. And there are so many things that call for our time and our attention. So just for encouraging families to take stock, now it's wonderful that, you know, a lot of the families at Bible school teachers, they've already, in some sense, said, yeah, I want to prioritize the time because they are sending their children to the Bible to school program. That's time. But the time at home as well, you know, is there a time that they can point to? And it may not be every day, you know, that's the thing. We, we know that there, we're not trying to be like legalistic that this has got to be every day, this certain time there, there are all sorts of family dynamics that go on, but is there some type of regular habit of gathering the family where you are quieting things down? There are lots of channels that our culture is speaking to us and to our children through. And do we have a time where we can just turn those channels off, quiet, gather the family, and read the word, and maybe just a, a couple of verses together, maybe just a, a time of a prayer together. That's better than nothing. You know, that's saying to your children, this is important. So it doesn't have to be a big theological sermon to your children, just something that communicates to them, even visually. We talked about visuals. There's a visual of, yeah, the family is gathering together and turning other things off and opening this book that is different than any other book. This is the word of God and reading it. 
simple as that. Those are things that I think we can really encourage parents and those caring for children well with. I often talk to moms and I say, you only have to be one step ahead of your children. That may even be just pulling the Bible off the shelf. That's the step ahead that you are with them and learn beside them. And I think it's okay to be a beginner here. But one of the things that I think we have the opportunity to do as leaders in children's lives whose parents may not be engaged is to encourage the child to take the Bible off the shelf and lead the parent. And a lot of times kids will lead their parents to the Lord. They are, we know this at Bible school, they are taking their parents to church. They're doing these things. So I would just encourage our friends that are listening to encourage kids to lead Bible studies or home devotionals or take home the lesson they just learned at Bible school and try to tell it to their parents, right? Yeah, exactly. Parents are going to value their children and see the value of doing things that their children see as important. So yeah, the parent, a child, like you said, can be uh, uh, one that can be even pointing mom and dad to the importance of this. I've seen that in other cultures where children have come to Christ and been used. In fact, we have some stories about that in our Bible visuals, uh, kind of mission and salvation story collection of a child who comes to Christ and is the one that is used to reach reach the family. So yeah, and then eventually the parents see not only the value of the child, but see the greater, even the greater value of knowing God himself through Jesus Christ. So Tom, tell me about, sharing good stories with kids beyond the greatest story of salvation and Jesus. Talk to me about the power of story in the life of a child. Yeah. So I think that all of us, and particularly children, we're myopic in that we're nearsighted. We see only what is put in front of us. We don't have a bigger sense of God's work throughout all time and all ages. I was just teaching this yesterday with some children about, you know, he's sovereign over all time and space. So we tend to know Christianity in the terms, in the sense of maybe our own church, or maybe even in the terms of a club setting there and not seeing that God is greater than all that, that he is the one who has been working throughout all of, of human history. So stories, particularly biographies, can be a great help in that, uh, that they can lay before children God's work in other places, in other times, and they can go and see God working. And a lot of the biographies we start with, uh, we have start with the character when they're a child too. So God, seeing God work in a child's life uh, through a biography and then seeing through the progress through their life as well and his faithfulness to that person. So it's kind of seeing this example of God's faithfulness. We want to be careful not to engage in hagiography where we're like, okay, this is the perfect person, this is the person that you look for, the example. All of those stories are meant to point to someone greater, to Jesus Christ and their their faith in him. These are imperfect examples. You know, all of these characters in the scriptures, in church history, they are going to have their flaws. They are going to have their failings. And we don't want to hide those from children either, where they think there's this perfection that they have to come to. All of these saints are saints because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of their own perfections or something. So those are really great examples to put before children, and we love doing it. So 
got some favorite pie. Okay, so give us a few of your favorites. We know they're not perfect people, and we're going to convey that. But who are your some of your favorite biographies to start with? Probably my favorite is John Newton, who was the author of Amazing Grace. And uh, John Newton, of course, was very aware of his imperfections. He was one who had engaged in all sorts of sinful actions, been involved in the slave trade. And, you know, one of the neat things about that story that sometimes we get wrong in our minds is we think that John Newton, you know, he had this, um, he was almost died in a storm at sea and they came to Christ. And then, you know, he became a preacher of the gospel. And of course he, he came out of the slave trade. Well, the interesting thing about his life is that after that kind of conversion experience of first professing his life, his faith in Christ, then he became a slave ship captain. And it's like, wait a second, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You know, he's supposed to turn aside from all that. But, you know, that's the reality of our sanctification that we, you know, God has continued to work in us. It's not just to save us from our sin and uh, give us uh, a home in heaven, but he is molding us to the image of Christ. And so we see someone who comes to Christ and still has lots of things in his life that he is blind to, you know, and yet God faithfully leading him, guiding him so that he does eventually come out of that, not by his, in fact, by his own volition. God caused John to have a uh, a sickness that caused him not to be able to set sail again as a, as a slave ship captain. And because of that, he had another job and eventually became a preacher. And then eventually was looking back and like, oh, this is, what was I doing? That's that's real life. So I love that biography. Our most recent biography is about uh, a lady named Eleanor Young, who is still living. So a lot of our biographies are people who have passed away. And right. Eleanor, um, she's still living. She's out in Washington state. And she was a lady who had polio when she was a little girl. People thought, you know, she's not going to be able to do certain things. And uh, she tells the story of a, of a gentleman visiting her little rural church in Washington state, a man from China was there who was visiting and pouring out his heart before the people saying, you know, there are lots of people in the world who need to know God. There are people in my country and other countries. Will anyone go? And kind of gave an altar call. And Eleanor picked up her crutches and went down that short little aisle of the church and came forward. And people were kind of embarrassed. Because they're like, you know, this girl can't do that. And she was embarrassed too, thinking, you know, starting to have doubts about that. But um, this man from China spoke to some of those leaders afterwards. And Eleanor didn't find this out until many years later. But he said to them, you know, whom the Lord calls, he will use. And that was so true in Eleanor's life. She went and studied to become a Bible translator, went to a difficult place to access, Arian Jaya, Indonesia, uh, up in the mountains. And what seemed like a hindrance to her ministry became such a a testimony of God's love because the people there, they said, how much must God love us that someone with bad legs, they they saw her weakness, Mm. that someone with bad legs would come all this way to share the gospel. And so God, it's not all about our strengths, you know, our abilities. Sometimes we think it's all about what do I have to offer God? Well, you know, we have nothing to offer God. And God uses our weakness for his glory. And that's such a picture of that. Tom, I think I'm about to sob because that is the truth about all of us that are serving in the lives of kids too, is that God does not expect perfection out of us. 
he just asks for our surrender to this and he will partner with us. What a beautiful thing. Tom, I know our friends are going to want to connect with you and with Bible visuals probably, which is awesome. Can you go ahead and tell us how they can do that? Sure. Our main means is through our website, biblevisuals.org. You get information there. Uh, We do have a little showroom and office in uh, Akron, Pennsylvania, which is a Uh, just outside of Lancaster on Oregon Pike. So glad to have people come by there too. can reach us by phone, 717-859-1131. We do occasionally have a display at certain booths and uh, we're glad to share at churches too. This is a not-for-profit ministry. So we love sharing and, and churches and opportunities like that about the work of evangelizing and discipling children both here as close as Lancaster County and ministries like Bible to School and as far away as places like Mongolia, uh, where we working on a project right now. So um, yeah, God's the God of all places and there's children that need to know him in all those places. Mm, it's so great. Tom, before we wrap up, would you pray for our friends that are listening, just especially as they reach into the lives of kids? I think that it's so cool that you're applying creativity, that that's a part of God's story in your life, that creativity has been applied to telling the story of Jesus. And I know that our friends want to do the same. Sure. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can call you Abba. Father, because of your son, Jesus Christ, who has come and dwelt among us, that he has laid down his life, the cross, that we who were children of disobedience, children of of wrath, can become children of God through the, the work of Christ at the cross and our faith and trust in him and in his resurrection. We thank you that this is the good news that we have, that we are able, we have the blessing to share to others, to the next generation. We thank you that this is the good news for every generation. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, this generation, to prioritize that, to make important in our lives that which you have called be important, that you have called your disciples to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And that includes the children of the nations. We thank you that the gospel is such that a child can hear and understand and turn from their sin and trust and be saved. And even then to be a witness in their own families. So Lord, I pray that you would help each one who uh, is engaged in the work of evangelism and discipleship of children to know that their strength, their ability is not that which will save any child, but it is you your spirit working, drawing little ones to salvation. So I pray that our hope would not be in ourselves, but in you. And we thank you, Lord, that we stand as testimonies of that ourselves. So we pray that you would draw many more children and even reach many families through ministries like Bible to School and others, evangelism fellowship that are that are working to make your name known among the nations, among the children of the nations. We pray this, Lord. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you. What a powerful prayer and what an important conversation. I'm sure you're going to want to connect with Tom and Bible Visuals. 
You can find all the ways to connect with them and us on our website at BibleToSchool.com. Hey, have you seen God work in an exciting way this year as you put some of our lesson tips into practice? We'd love to hear about it. Reach out to us at BibleToSchool.com or on our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and our handles are at Bible to School. Next week is another great conversation you won't want to miss. So be sure you're subscribed before signing off. We're so grateful for you and the way you're using your creativity to reach the next generation. Remember, friends, you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. We'll see you next week.